This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. I have a chat with John Campbell, who is the bassist in Lamb of God, to share with you. The catalyst for the conversation is the launch of a new album by the lads. It is titled Omens. It'll see light of day on October 7th, 2022. In this conversation, of course, we cover Omens. We talk about the onboarding of Art Cruz, the drummer who's replaced Chris Adler. This is his second album now. And uh, dive into some stuff from deep in the past as well. The relationship between the band and Steve Austin from Today Is Today. Why the group did Legion XX or Legion 20, whatever that cover album was called under the old Burton the Priest, Burton the Priest moniker from 2018. And yeah, and anybody who's listened to this show for more than a couple of episodes will know I tend to ask questions that other people won't or don't or can't or whatever it might be. Yeah, so I go there and ask him about Willie. Willie Adler, who has he has been absent from live performances. So I ask him about what's been going on there. And as you'll hear, nobody else has been talking about it. So I think I took him a bit of back on that one there. And there's a few <laughs> moments where I think I caught him by surprise. But as I say, if you listen to my show, you know that I tend to do that. If you're listening via the podcast app, so I have a tune to share with you from the album Omens. This one is titled Grayscale. We'll hit that in the moment. But if you've tuned in via YouTube, you know I can't play music on it because the bloody thing will get removed. So let's cut to the conversation right now for you YouTubers and for everybody else in the podcast apps. Here's Grayscale. Let's do it. Good kill, they'll get 
Fucking here, mate. What's up, Andy? Right on. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm all right, brother. Man, you're right on time. I'm impressed. <laughs> I just finished another interview, so I was sitting here like, you know, fuck it. Might as well hit this link. <laughs> Sometimes I'm here for 5, 10, 15 minutes, and uh, it's always well, good this, to talk this to is <laughs> this is always also my last one, so uh, oh, I'm free after this. So awesome. you're in Australia, not Austria. I said AUS, and I was thinking this was Europe. I was like, oh. And then yeah, you started I'm, talking. That's that's not an Austrian accent. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty lucky, actually. John here, John Howth. I don't know whether you know John, the uh, nuclear blast territory manager for Australia and New Zealand. I'm, pos- I'm positive I've met him before. Yeah, lovely fella, and uh, he's got my back on these sorts of things. So he sees when the European call schedules come through, and he says, "Hey, I know you like doing the morning ones because I've got kids. You know, so many of us have kids." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. If I do so it, you're, not, you're being a co- you're being a company guy now. You're just being the company guy to make it all happen. No, I, I dig it, man. If you do it at night, you got to be like, "Oh shit, don't wake up." Yeah, so but it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen. The kids start yelling and all the rest of it at the moment. Like, they're just wondering. <laughs> oh, it's the other way around. Yeah, because it's six eight. How old are the kids? Uh, how old are they? God, I've had got to think about that. Six and six and eight. Congratulations! I'm at eleven and fourteen on mine. Oh, well, virtually the same. It, get, age it gets easy. It gets easier on one hand, and gets more difficult on another. Uh, you got girls or boys or a blend? I have a blend. My daughter is eleven. My son is fourteen. Oh, how do you go with the? Because I've got two daughters. How do you go with the daughter when you're away from the road and you come back and you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Does uh, yeah, no, but it's fine. I, I talk to them on Facetime and stay in touch, and you know, I have a great relationship with my kids, and it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I just it found things to leave. <laughs> yeah, I just found just when found I was away. I just found when I was away, and when I came back, it can be a bit disruptive, and uh, it's one of the reasons I quit working away from home, actually. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, my children have had to deal with the disruptive lifestyle of their father for quite some time. So I think it's normal for them, to be honest. Oh, I, I can imagine you've been out now for bloody decades now, haven't you? The traveling and the road. For, for, let me think. Not twice my son's age, but at least twice my daughter's age. Yeah. yeah. What, what was, was there any adjustment period for you? Or was it just one of those things where you were just so young that it just felt normal to be on the road? Oh my God, it's what we wanted to be doing. Like we, we, we had shitty jobs at home that we could just uh, leave or get our shifts covered and then come home and, and get right back to work. But it was, it was everything to be able to get in the van and go spend two weeks uh, playing people's basements and shitty bars and camping out some nights because we don't have money for a hotel, but it was our vacation. Uh, and then it turned into our jobs and, you know, we were, very fortunate uh, to have that job. And we were still young enough and I guess drunk enough at that point that <laughs> uh, it was great. Mm. And I still love it. I still love traveling. I still love playing shows. Uh, but it gets harder and harder, uh, you know, mm. as your family's growing up at home and you want to be there for them. And, you know, it's not as glamorous as you might think living on a tour bus. We're basically living in our car that was designed for people to live, live out of, but still living out of a car with uh, a bunch of 40 to 50 year old dudes stinking and farting. You're a professional traveler these days. This is, I was talking to Levi Benton from Miss Mayo about it. And uh, you're not real. I mean, of course you're a musician, but that's the secondary thing to the fact that, yeah, to your point, you're in airports and you're on buses breathing in. I can get through security like that, man. I, I got all my shit ready to get up to the security line. Boom, shoes off. <laughs> I'm definitely a professional. Stand in a little machine like this. Yeah. Yeah. 
What's the what's the worst country to visit from the security perspective where they just look at you guys and go, musicians, we're gonna give you a hard time? <laughs> oh man. Um I don't know if I should say I don't wanna <laughs> Can- Canada. When you travel from the US to Canada or oh, from yeah, Canada to the US on a on, on a in, in a vehicle as opposed to media, um, they tend to be pretty harsh. But I understand that's their job. Like they, their jobs are to be assholes to ferret out people who are going to get nervous when they're dealing like it's it, they're big guard dogs that are you walk up to the gate and, they're, and if you're like nervous then that makes them go oh, why are you nervous yeah. so it's you know at this point we, we we've been doing this long enough like uh there, there's nothing on the buses when we cross like nobody's carrying anything all their paperwork's in order but yet you walk in and they're looking at you like criminals yeah the only place I've ever had any issues was Los Angeles, funnily enough, when I flew from Brisbane to there and me and randomly, because obviously I'm a muso, this isn't for show, by the way, I've got a gig later on, but um, I, uh, <laughs> me and another a very well-known musician in Australia, Ben Eli from Regurgitator, he didn't know he was on the flight, but he was on the flight and we both got singled out for a full-on drug test and I thought, Jesus Christ, here we go. And uh, Drug test? Yeah, yeah, they, they pulled us they aside did. and so they just take off our tops and shoes and the whole thing and did the this was not long after 9-11 and um and i thought I wow. <laughs> yeah That's it, was pretty, it was pretty shit to be honest like i thought well the first thing that goes through your mind is because i don't take drugs or anything but i'm thinking do they do they have advanced notice that someone's put something on me or i've got stuff and someone's put it on me or something and because these are the things that go through your mind you know and they're probably rational sure, thoughts sure sure and uh, no, of course, we, we, neither of us had anything off us, and all of us, and we just sort of looked at each other and went, shit, we need to. It was too early. It was like five in the morning or six in the morning to get a beer. So we just let's go get a fucking coffee. <laughs> and we uh, <laughs> ended, up, ended up buying me one. And uh, and I thought, wow, they, that's a pretty cool story that I've got for the for later on. So yeah, that's a great story. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy uh, why they do those things. Who knows? Yeah. And, and Mate, to be honest, my, my passport, my passport yeah. is way too valuable to me to be doing anything stupid. Uh, oh, I occasionally yeah. will smoke a left-handed cigarette, uh, but mm-hmm. if it's not there or whatever, and they've got it pretty much everywhere, they're not relying on me to bring it in. Oh, your, your tour managers, that must be just the number one priority, I suppose, is to make sure that you've got a clean passport. Um, well, as far as like carrying drugs across the border or just having a clean passport in general? Oh, just, just in general, because I mean, there's, I mean, you guys aren't, a, I mean, let's face it, you're basically the biggest heavy metal band in the world at the moment outside of the big four. So you guys are basically an industry. And if one of you guys can't do it, sure, they can replace you, but it's, so, well, they can't replace you in, in the typical sense these days. That's the thing, because you're all individual personalities. And there's going to be a, like a John right. Campbell fan in the audience that has got the shits. And wants to mail a promotion. Yeah. John wasn't on stage. I don't want to listen to whoever the other bloke is. You know, <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, I guess that's good and bad though. But we we've had uh, like during COVID, we had uh, Phil Demel on uh, on the sidelines, ready to fill in should anyone get yeah. sick. So we took time to learn all the stringed instruments. Um, and uh, you know, that's just like a business move that we we don't want to cancel shows. And uh, I think that the kids are very happy to see Phil Demel occasionally. Yeah, he's not a bad guy to have uh, have on the side. <laughs> no, he's besides being a phenomenal player, he's he's an outstanding person. Also, he's a great dude. Yeah. The stories are true. 
Yeah, I've I've heard some of them. I, I I had an opportunity to chat to him a couple of years ago, and um, just the stars didn't quite align. Sometimes these things happen, but um, but it's look, it's great to be talking to you finally. I was in the audience in uh, the Metallica show you guys did in Brisbane uh, in 2010. In 2010? Yeah. God damn. That's the last time you saw us? Yeah, that was it. I, I think you've wow. been here since, but that was the last time I saw we you We have, but, but it's been a while. It's been a while. And God, you honest, Metallica was shit that night. And God help me. But <laughs> but you guys were so good. And Baroness was uh, fantastic as well. And uh, They are. Yeah, I, it's that it's that old thing where you know do, do, how do you follow Slayer sort of thing? Well, how do you follow you guys? And Metallica had to do that. And look, they're they're, they're almost a vaudeville act at this point in time as they were back then because they're a covers band playing the majority of their set from their like four albums or whatever whatever it might be. But uh, you got you guys have just kept on trucking on since then. And um, look, this recent album—it's—I uh, don't have to tell you—it's a killer album. You guys have worked your asses off on it, obviously. And arts—it's his second Thank album. Thank you. Uh, saw him when he played with Prong down here uh, many years ago, and uh, he did a great job then. So it was great to see that, you know, if anybody could follow Chris, it was him, and he is. Mm. But this album, this album here, uh, this new one—it's your ninth album as Lamb of God, and I think for you personally, it might be your twelfth, if I'm not mistaken. The other three Burning Priest albums, or whatever it might be. <laughs> no idea. I have no idea. But yeah, somewhere in there. I know uh, Sturm und Drang was seven. So this is our ninth studio album as Lamb of God. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's two uh, Burn the Priest original, Burn the Priest cover. And then there's live records. Mm. And a couple couple singles besides that. Yeah. Mm. But do, do you think this, this album, I mean, you, your legacy is established. Okay. But do you feel like as though this album is one of those ones that really significantly contributes to the legacy of the band? I certainly hope so. Uh, I guess ultimately it's for the fans to decide. And I mean, there's some people that, that don't think we put out in sacrament or even ashes of the wake. Mm. I love what we're doing now and I'm always the happiest and proudest of our latest record. And that isn't any different now. Uh, I think um, there are some phenomenal songs on this that uh, we've been playing some live and have gone over well. Mm. Uh, I, you know, only time will tell if it, if it becomes part of the, if there are some emblematic songs on here that become part of the, the overall legacy. Um, I would like to think so, but time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. But do, do you feel as though, I guess just taking that question a bit further, do you feel as though Omens will, will help you consolidate your audience or do you feel as though it could, is the vibe amongst management and the band is that it could potentially bring in brand new fans. So people who are yet to hear you guys. I don't, I'm sure someone has thought about it in those terms. Uh, for me, I, I look at it as we're just this, this, we're this band, we make music and we push ourselves really hard to outdo what we had done and, and, and do the best that we can in, in every aspect. And I feel like we've continued to do that and step it up every record. Um, this record uh, may or may not bring us in more fans, may piss off a bunch of old, old fans, may, piss off a bunch of new fans who knows uh mm. but it's never it's it's always a really organic thing it's not a, a strategic um well let's put out this type of record and this song will go to radio because that will get us radio fans and then we'll go tour with this band in order to scoop fans from them um it's it's less contrived than that it's more organic and and just trying to be the biggest best thing that we can be yeah yeah it's it's an interesting question that one there because sometimes i, I 
I've thought about this a lot, and you're a great guy to talk to about it, given the size of the band. But do do you think that we've hit peak peak heavy metal popularity? In other words, is there any more room on the on the boat, or do you think there's room for growth realistically? And where you guys are at, as I say, you're the biggest band outside of the big four. Is there actually genuine room for growth? That is a great question. Um, I, I I I think so. I think definitely there is. I think uh, you know the the art form has got lots. Lots to to do still, and I, f- I feel like we as a band kind of blend a lot of different types of heavy metal. Um, and are an example of what the possibilities of heavy metal can be. Uh, we play on talk shows, like uh, yeah. we're, we're we're pushing the, the envelope is getting bigger and bigger. Um, I got to sit at John Campbell's desk down in New Zealand one time. I mean, how, how much bigger can I get than that? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I think there's room for growth. I, I don't think that it's topped out. I think that it's a viable uh, genre that will continue to grow, develop, and and be popular among its fans. And yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Hey, just with the new album again, um, which song on the albums are yours, or which ones did you co-write? Um, I would say the closest I came to co-writing anything would be September song. But it's just you know locking in with a uh, with art on the uh, on the intro there. Have, are you familiar with that last song? Um, uh, the closer on the record. Listen, I've had the album for a couple of weeks, so and I tend to listen to it without noticing the song titles. To be honest with you, but the whole thing seems like a just another killer installment, as I say, in the legacy of the band. But uh, one thing I notice is there's just not a dud riff. All of the riffs have rolled gold. Wow, shit. Well, thank you. Uh, the, uh, the the chorus of of, uh, of September Song uh, comes the closest to where you can say I was co-writing, but the truth is is that Mark and Willie are the primary songwriters and that they come in with riffs mm. in different stages of put together with choruses and verses and this, that, and the other, and then Josh and those two guys will get together and put stuff together, and then the band comes together to start working on stuff, and that's where it's open to like suggestions on or is that really the chorus that we need there or does that chorus work so good there and what about that one song that we're not using could we steal that part from that one song and bring it into this um, that's that's where the the co-writing happens uh, but yeah. it's primarily the the riffs of Mark and Willie okay makes sense yeah look and and as the basis look you you must have felt the change uh, from Chris to art more keenly than anybody else so as far as you're concerned what what are the key differences in their styles Art has more of a, uh, a, a an organic, natural swing, a feel to him. Uh, his hands are incredibly fast and, and accurate, um, and he's he's just full of, of positive, great energy. And he's 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 always happy to be there, smiling, excited. This guy came up listening to us and listening to Chris play drums. He also happens to be a lefty, playing on a right-handed kit like Chris was he kind of like looked up to, to him as to learn how to play drums. And he did that. And so it like only makes sense that he was the, the, the perfect fill-in. He was almost his understudy without knowing it. And uh, he kind of took that and ran with it. I think you can hear it on this record that he's starting to put, feel maybe a little more comfortable to put some of himself into it. Um, he's not yeah. the, he's not the, um, uh, how to say this, the, the, the technically, created edited ideas put together as he's just more of the natural feel yeah groove smooth great player powerful player he's an incredibly powerful player was there a concern that you know we've talked about it up top 
insofar as the amount of travelling you guys do, but uh, you probably knew Chris back to front. And and was there a concern that maybe Art, great drummer, but and, and yes, he'd been on the road many times with Prong and other bands, but and with us actually. Him. Oh, we, met, right? we met him years ago. We met him years ago at an Ozfest or a Mayhem when he was in Windsor Plague. I just connected with him because he was a great dude. Mm. Um, and stayed in touch after that tour. And we, I think we came through LA on a tour one time. We're like, dude, why don't you fucking ride the bus with us? You don't, you don't have a job. You ain't doing shit. So he came. He was like, yeah, I'll come out for a couple of days. And he ended up staying and hanging out for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it was phenomenal. Like we, we've, we've known our and gotten to know art really well over the years. So it was, uh, we already knew that personality wise, he was a fit. Was he the only one that you guys considered to replace Chris? Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. Okay. Killer. Yeah. I mean, re- realistically, there's him or Dirk, and Dirk's in Megadeth these days. So you, uh, what do you do? You, yeah, know, yeah. you have to have someone, you have to have someone at that level, don't you, to join a band like you guys? You do. You do. Yeah. Oh, look, I hope I could ask this question. Um, God, I asked Nicholas from In Flames if he was still on the band. He said, no comment. But uh, is, is Willie still in the group with you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Willie has always always been in the group. We, we, we have all had situations happen where we had to not be on tour when the band had stuff going on because of stuff happening that we needed to take care of. Yeah. Um, Willie is 1,000% of the band. Cool. We are lucky to have Phil Demel uh, available to step in when needed. Um, but yeah, I, that's the first time I've been asked that, so I'm a little taken taken aback. But yeah, Willie is absolutely in the band. It's he, we had sound check earlier. We were on stage right together, playing too. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I look. I, I tend to ask these sorts of questions, um, and yeah, of course, Blabbermouth probably picks up on it. Maybe they won't, but who bloody knows? They tend to pick oh, up. Oh, they love to. They love to, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. I mean, they like clicks. Yeah, a bit of a left turn now. Um, Steve Austin from today is the day is a genius as far as I'm concerned, and uh, he's from that old school Jesus Lizard thing, you know that that whole Amrit scene, and uh, he produced the debut Burn the Priest album. What did you learn from him? What did we learn from Steve? Huh. Man, I don't know. I, I think we might have been too drunk in. Uh... I had two big idiots to learn anything from Steve at that point. Uh, we just, uh, what did we learn from Steve? I said, I don't know. I bet you the other dudes could come up with something much better. <laughs> Steve, Steve is a great dude. Um, I mean, he's just got his way of doing things. And we went in there and, and brought the two together. And he, he pushed along the project and made it happen. And you know, I'm, I'm glad we had the opportunity to work with him. Yeah, yeah. Something That's also where we ended up meeting... We ended yeah. up meeting uh, Bill, Bill and Braun from Mastodon because they were in Today's the Day. Actually, Bill came down to try out for Today's the Day. We were in the studio. We had to stop so they could have a rehearsal and see if it was going to work out. And oh, that's nice. when we met those dudes. Uh, God, whenever. I don't even know when that was. 90-something. Yeah, yeah. Look, you've probably told this story a thousand times, but I just haven't read it. But um, the decision to move from the band name Burn the Priest to – Lamb of God. Uh, was that was that a record company thing or was that just you guys? No, that, that was well, uh, we were Burn the Priest, and there was someone in the band who was like, Man, that's that name is so stupid. What a stupid name. We need a better name. And then they come in the next week to practice and like, Man, what I don't know what I'm talking about. That's the greatest heavy metal band name ever. And they just kept flip-flopping, flip-flopping. And then we were going to sign with Prosthetic, 
and we had a band meeting where this person's like, Hey, if we're, if we're going to sign this, I think this is the time that we got to change the name before we get any bigger on this burn the priest name. Cause people would think we're satanic and just kind of write us off as a jokey band, which we weren't. Hmm. So, uh, we all finally agreed, uh, okay, let's change the name. What, what's it going to be? And, uh, took a while. He came back with lamb of God and the rest is that. The rest is history. It must've been a numerology thing. You know, you know, if you believe in that, I don't personally believe in it, by the way, but you know, you got a band name and you like you, cause you're still basically you're exactly the same band as far as I could hear. And then, cause I yeah. bought the debut, I bought actually, I was one of those few people in Australia that bought the debut when it came out. Cause I used to read metal maniacs and they raved about you guys. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember <clears> buying and thinking, Jesus, this is like the meeting point between sort of pretty the early cannibal corpse, Chris Barnes stuff and Metallica or Megadeth or what have you. That's what it reminded wow. me of. And, uh, the name change, mate, there must've been something in the stars there. It just needed to happen in order for you guys to blow up. <laughs> well, funny, funny enough, we were really concerned that we pressed 1500, uh, burn the free CDs or our friend had under, uh, Go I think it was called goat boy records at that point. And we were really concerned about like all the fans we had made, you know, if we change the name, how are they going to know that it's us? <laughs> so I think that, uh, I think when Lamb of God came out, it might've had a sticker on it saying formerly known as, or some shit like that. I'm, yeah, <laughs> which is silly to think. Uh, you know, we didn't really make that much of an impact. <laughs> People who say that they were at Burn the Pre shows are probably full of shit because they were not that. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that. It's like all the people that were at the Nirvana show here at Fisherman's Wharf on the Gold Coast back in the day. You know, yeah, right, right. Like no, four hundred thousand right. people say that they were there, but yeah. <laughs> to like a, a, a thirty-five hundred cap room, right? Yeah, exactly. Not not even probably, but yeah, it's it's like that. Yeah. It's like I like I mean, I'm being forty-four. Of course, I was around back then, and I'll be totally honest. I thought Nirvana sucked, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Well, here, here's something for all the readers, for all the listeners. Whatever this gets put out there. When some shit like that's going down, look around. You can see who's standing around you experiencing it. And if anybody says they were there, that weren't those people. That well, shit. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Hey, I just want to shoehorn this question in quickly about the Jesus lizard. Um, I've always thought your bass playing, your bass playing reminded me a lot of Dust Still of David William Sims from the Jesus lizard. So was he an inspiration at all? I wouldn't say a direct inspiration in that I was like, I've got to learn that, but absolutely. Fucking lutely. I did an interview just before this where they were like, well, what are you like growing up made influences? Like, well, dude from Guar, but like Jesus Lizard, holy shit. And, uh, and oh, Faith wow. no more. Yeah. Bass, the bass players in those, like just phenomenal. But it's the Jesus Lizard, hugely. I, I absolutely love that band and that bass player. And that's incredible. I got to see them. It's been about two, it was a pre-pandemic. Yeah, it was pre-pandemic. I got to see them play live again mm. uh, on their, I guess, old guys getting back together tour and still phenomenal. Yeah, he, he and Dwayne Dennison, magnificent combo. And um, Shot, yeah, that, yeah, album, yeah, yeah. that album, Shot, was shit. I still listen to Shot. I uh, I listen to that as Goat, one of their records too. Yeah, it is. I, yeah, I listen to, I, I mean, I listen, yes. I, I go back to Jesus Wizard quite a bit. I'll yeah. wake up with, with those bass lines in my head and be like, all right, God, where's my bass? I got to learn how to play this. <laughs> <laughs> are, you a, are you an Angel Dust guy or a, the real thing guy? What in the fuck are you asking me? Angel Faith Dust? Faith. Faith No More. Billy Gould. Oh, uh, Billy Gould. I, I don't know what the difference between Angel Dust and, and OG or whatever, but I, I just, that, uh, from, what's, uh, uh, I don't fall back so hard on their, on their, shit, what's the name of the record that had uh, Epic on it? The, real the one after that? Angel, yeah, Angel the real thing is a good record. And uh, well, what's the uh, King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime? Spot on. That's a phenomenal. 
Yeah, it's got Trey from Mr. Bond to play it. guitars on it. Yeah. I love that record. Uh, and then also Soul Invictus. That's an amazing, amazing record. That's interesting. I can't vibe on that one. Yeah, I couldn't vibe on that one or the other one, the album of the year album. Yeah. You know. I, my problem, I suppose, you know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rainbows Will Bend From Me, Curvy. What a great <laughs> lyric. Yeah, well, that's Mike Patton. Yeah, he's well, he's a genius. So he's uh, I, I love because I, I look. It, it's interesting. I'm, I'm probably like we all are as bassists, right? We love Flea, right? But I can't stand the Chili Peppers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I I, 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 I got to come clean with you. I've seen them play live back in '89 on the Mother's oh, wow. Milk tour. Nice, yeah. uh, and I thought it was a great show. And uh, I. Mother's Milk I got into and then I went backwards listened to all their older uh, raw more punk rock stuff and kind of done that shit quite a bit for a while but as they developed they just kind of they they lost it for me oh, but they gained it for a lot more people yeah but but listen I mean who, did they give a fuck no <laughs> they went on and did their thing and, and they succeeded beyond their wildest dreams I'm sure yeah yeah they weren't going to be they weren't going to get there play, playing freaky style they weren't, that wasn't going to get them to where they are no, they're all they're, they're kind of. I love those albums too. When I say love them, that's my pick of the material as well. If I'm going to listen to those guys, but they're never going to get there playing that weird George Clinton, Bootsy Collins, funky white boy shit. You know, it was never going to. No, but but if they're so steep in it. You know, you got to give them a little nod for like, okay, yeah, y'all came from this. There's still that flavor in there. Yeah, yeah, and I, the point I was going to make about Mike Patton and Faith No More, I loved how they took the piss out of the Chili Peppers early on when they started getting compared to them, and you know, that whole thing that he was doing, Mike Patton was doing, was such a big piss take of Anthony Kiedis at the time, and I love the yeah, way yeah. he just didn't shy away from it, <laughs> and he dived into it. No, I mean when you're <laughs> when you're as talented as Mike Patton, uh, and somebody is is in there uh, doing the same job you are. Uh, I think Mike Patton has every right to, to clown anybody, any other front man that he wants. Cause <laughs> yeah, he, he holds his own. Indeed. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm going to cross the grid again. If I've got time for a couple more questions, is that cool? Or have you got to head off? Uh, you've got a couple more questions. Hold on. Uh, yeah, let's, I was just checking that text. Uh, yeah, let's, let's get a couple more questions in. Uh, Sweet. Okay. Uh, as I say, I'm just going to cross back over the grid. I, I still listen to and I adore the album Legion. Is it 20 or Legion XX um, that you guys did under the Burn the Priest moniker? Uh, it was actually one of, it was, I think it was the second or third album on my two, list of t- albums from 2018. Extraordinary album. You guys. Oh, thank you. It's, it's just bolt tight. Uh, is the point around that. As a musician, I listened to that and I, I don't think, you've got to be honest, I don't think you guys have ever sounded better than you did on that album there. Which wow. I thought was yeah, which I thought was interesting because of your, your huge catalog. But um, why why did you feel as though that album was necessary? Um, well, we have been talking about doing something like that for fucking ever uh, because it would be so much fun. And that actually started out as we wanted to like do a, covers of a bunch of uh, Richmond bands that influenced us at the time. And then the record company wisely pointed out that. I, I fucking cover record of a bunch of garage bands that nobody's heard of. Um, so we, there is one that's thrown in. The, oh, I, don't know, some, I thought somebody was flicking off the. Uh, we're in a baseball field and there's people taking pictures. So I thought somebody <laughs> was flicking off the uh, the park. Um, <laughs> we, sorry, sorry, something shiny. I get distracted. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, 
we, we wanted to do that. The record company said, well, I think people would rather hear some songs that know. So we kind of picked the songs that influenced us, but we did throw a, uh, we did throw a Richmond band in there. Uh, mm. That was like one of our big influences that no one's heard of. And they're just an amazing band. Yeah. Cool. Which, up yeah. from Richmond, there were a bunch of great bands, Slang Louse, Breadwinner, uh, Keep On, a bunch of amazing bands came out of Richmond. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's it, is Richmond a, a beach city? Is it near a beach? Am I wrong in saying that, or there's nowhere near it? Okay, good. Gotcha. No, we well, we're an hour and a half in from the coast and an hour and a half from the mountains. We're kind of right snuggled in the middle. We have a river running through us. Uh huh. Gotcha. Yeah. Hey, look, you've been in. Second last question for you. Look, you've been in the band longer than anybody else. So, what aspect, if any, has been the most surprising in regards to not not success? Because anybody can have that, but it's the enduring success of the group. Ah, uh, well, I, to be honest with you, like I, I feel like now we're in some way kind of leveling up in in some some ways that it, that it's feeling kind of weird, almost to the point of like when people first started asking for autographs, I was like. You want me to scribble on your shit? You want me to ruin your record cover? But oh, okay. Um, but now, like uh, these younger bands, and and even some of the production crews and crews, like they they when we walk in, they're just like, we're the same assholes that have been doing this for so long. There's nothing that's changed. Uh, hmm. uh, it, it's uh, it's what what this you were asking for during success or a, a sign or a symptom of that. I, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. Um, I think that we have, honestly, we've wanted to do this. We love doing this and we have had some success at it. So we've been lucky enough to continue doing it. And in doing so, it's kind of builds on itself that, you know, we get better at doing it because we're able to put more time and energy into it. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, if, if there's any secret to the enduring success is get in a band with Mark, Willie, Randy, and Art. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, which is only going to happen once. Let's face it, never happen again. But uh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. true. Yeah, last one, mate. I've got to ask. I'm a writer. I've written a book. Um, I've written a couple actually. But uh, mate, when's your book coming out? Please tell me you've got one in the works. Me, a new book. Yeah, no, as in, I, where's I, your I, autobiography. You got to write your story. Oh, it's, it's got to oh man, I, I I got to have more of a. a... Yeah, I think I got to get ready to be looking back, and we're still looking forward. I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to 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 look back, to rest on my laurels, and tell the stories yet. You know, there's more stories to to live. Right answer. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I tend to agree with you. Yeah, healthy middle age. I would love mate. to someday. <laughs> I would love to at some point. And and uh, Mark Egg Eglinton uh, is an author that I've been in touch yeah, with a few times. Great guy. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had a few conversations with him over email. He's a lovely fellow, Mark. Yeah. He really he really, really is. Uh uh and if anyone were to help me write a book, I, I as far as I understand, I'd, it would be that guy at this point. But you know, again, uh, give me some more let me get some more stories to tell. Indeed, yeah. Or stories that I can tell. <laughs> All right, my man, I've got to boogie. I appreciate you getting up early and, and taking care of this. Uh make us both sound cool as shit in this. Thank you, brother. It's been awesome to finally chat to you. Look forward to it. Yeah, thanks, mate. See you down there in Australia. Peace. Well, there you go. The great John Campbell, bassist from Lamb of God. What a terrific fella. It's interesting there too. I think I was the only, certainly the first Australian conversation that he's had or interview or whatever for the promo trail for Omens and I wonder when the next ones will come up because I think Lamb of God's popularity in the United States has even squeezed out some of the European interviewers as well. So I was tagged onto the European.
press junket there. I uh, really appreciate it. Big shout out to John Howarth, who I mentioned up top there in the chat with John, who's the Australian New Zealand nuclear blast territory manager. What a terrific fella. Good mate. Okay, so that's it. If you like listening to that chat, you might enjoy listening to even more. So go across to scarsandguitars.com, peruse through the list, and you'll see many other conversations from the leading lights in rock, heavy metal, hard rock, black metal, all of it. So much stuff. And if you like listening, perhaps you like reading too. And I've written a book about my podcast, Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal and Beyond. Click the link in the banner. You'll be taken to a marketplace of your choosing. You can download a sample. And if you do complete the purchase, hit me up. I've got some more information to share with you about the book in the moment. But before I let you go, I'm going to sign off. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew Mackay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all... I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the... I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, 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 just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he, he was very, you know, very open-minded and and he was into having his, his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I 
I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.